Hi, I'm Phil Jimenez, and you're listening to Nerd Culture Podcast. Welcome to episode 54 of the Nerd Culture Podcast, the uh, the new improved Nerd Culture Podcast. Yeah, what do we call it? The new 52 NPC Now or something like yeah, that. Yeah, or something like that. NCP Now. Uh, my name is David and with me are the NCP crew, Richo. I will believe a man can fly. Luke. Yeah, my belief factor is, you know, sort of a bit low at the moment. Then Crystal. Look, up at the sky. Oh wait, we're inside. <laughs> <laughs> Look up on the roof. <laughs> For this episode, we'll be talking about all things Superman. In case you didn't gather from our introduction. <laughs> uh, we're not actually going to be talking about all things Superman, because we've only got you know limited time. But uh, as much as we can, uh, including a popcorn junkie on Zack Snyder's Superman reboot, Man of Steel, and our favourite Superman stories. But before we go on to Superman, uh, we're actually recording this uh, the day after my attendance at Oz Comic Con uh, in Melbourne at the beautiful exhibition buildings. Um, I'm still quite tired because it was a long day, uh, but it was a very exciting day. I got to speak to uh, some awesome comic creators, uh, including uh, Nicholas Scott, uh, Phil Jimenez, Paul Mason, Freddie Williams II, Great, great stuff, and uh, all of those, uh, any interviews that I managed to get um, will be on our next episode. It'll be the interview special episode. But uh, just thanks again to Oz Comic Con for uh, this great, their graciousness with uh, the Media Pass and for the opportunity to talk to these great people. It was, uh, it was awesome, awesome fun. And thanks again to all the, to the creators for their, for their time. So without further ado, let's get cracking, Superman. Superman. The Super Episode. I should change our name to Super NCP. No. <laughs> then no. I have to buy a new domain name. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't really and work. frankly, NCP just doesn't no, just doesn't fit in that little triangle. Yeah, that's true. It doesn't. You're right. It would look terrible. Mm. So let's move on to Popcorn Junkie on Man of Steel. Okay, so Man of Steel, the uh, Superman reboot that uh, Warners thought they needed after uh, what they considered to be a pretty dismal return from Superman Returns. I don't know how they consider $490 million a poor return, but uh, I don't know, that's you know, their thinking. I think it might have something to do with the $120 million that they spent not making Superman films before they actually got to make Superman Returns. Like they, had to pay, they had to pay Nicolas Cage something like $20-odd million dollars to not play Superman because they'd signed him up years earlier. I know. Yeah. But still, I mean, Superman Returns, it, it was a success by, you know, it may, maybe not. I mean, the critics loved it and, you know, 490 million is still a huge <laughs> amount of money. Um, so, yeah, so this is uh, the, the reboot that they thought they needed. Um, one of the major complaints about Superman Returns was that they needed more action. Um, and, I disagree. And yeah, we'll, we'll discuss Superman Returns at, at, the main, at a different point. But that was one of the major complaints, and uh, Man of Steel sort of took that and sort of run with it. <laughs> you can never, you can never say that Man of Steel does not have enough action. 
Uh, so directed by Zack Snyder, best known for Watchmen and 300. Um, and, and our personal favourite film, Sucker Punch. That's right. The, the movie-length video, music video that is Sucker Punch. Uh, it's written by David S. Goyer, um, who did the screenplay story, and Christopher Nolan. So, so it stars uh, Henry Cavill as Superman, Amy Adams as Lois, uh, Michael Shannon as General Zod, Diane Lane as Martha Kent, Russell Crowe as Doral, Kevin Costner as Jonathan Kent, and that's pretty much all the major people. Lawrence Fishburne as Perry White. Yeah, but let's face it, I said the major people. He was a nothing character that didn't even need to be in the show. Hey, that's all right. Come on, um, you, you say that to his face. <laughs> <laughs> He'll make you take the wrong pill. I didn't say he was bad acting. So he was just a, the character didn't need to be there. Yeah, that's actually a fair um, <laughs> argument. Um, and I can't, I can't pronounce right. her name, but she's had a pretty major role. I actually think she sort of stole the show at some point. Is uh, Angie Trey? Yeah, Angie Tro or something like that. Yeah. Well, as you know, it's a long-running joke that we're hopeless with names. But however you pronounce the name, she played uh, Fiora, and uh, she was awesome. I mean, because it's a reboot, obviously, it has to deal with his origin. The origin is pretty much the same. He's, you know, born on Krypton, sent to Earth, Krypton dies, and uh, he's raised by the Kents. That's essentially the same sort of origin. It's, it's you know, sort of slightly minor details that we'll discuss later on in the review. Um, he's, you know, he's on Earth... Uh, the the last remaining Kryptonians uh, alive come to Earth to uh, reclaim, reclaim something that was stolen, the Codex, um, and also turn you know decide to turn Earth into new Krypton. Um, and uh, Superman has to stop them. That's pretty much it, really. So it's, and it's, lots and lots of fighting it, issues. It is, a, yeah, it is essentially sort of a reworking of Superman Two, the original Superman Two sort of storyline, but. Um, yeah, lots and lots of fighting, <laughs> and, and some sort of major sort of yeah, so some plot differences. And it should be pointed out that this film actually doesn't deal with Clark Kent very much. It deals more with Kal El slash Superman. Yeah, um, so we'll get we'll get to that. Hmm. Um, yeah, probably should insert into spoiler disclaimer. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So because this movie's actually been out uh, in Australia and overseas since the twenty seventh, um, and it's now July the seventh. Yeah. Yeah, so it's 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 quite a, it's quite a few weeks afterwards. So um, we are going to have spoilers. Uh, so just be warned that there will in fact yet. be spoilers. Uh, it's not that big a deal. I mean, it's, it's all over the actual end is actually all over the internet. So yeah, I actually had the end spoiled for me before I saw the film. Yeah, that's unfortunate for you. That is unfortunate. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, so so just just fair warning. There will be. I mean, to to discuss it, we need to get quite in depth. So if you, um, you haven't seen it yet, pause, go watch it, come back. Yeah, <laughs> I suppose so. That's right. So hopefully you, you have already seen it and um, and know what we're talking about. If not, spoilers. This have episode been... is spoilerific. <laughs> yes, that's, we should do that. Spoilerific. Spoilerific. <laughs> so that's enough for me. Uh, thoughts? Um, okay, well, let's actually get to talk about the plot and the, um, the characters for a sec. Um, I mean, yes, this is a typical... Superman reboot. We've got to do, you know, the the destruction of Krypton. We've got to show, you know, him learning how to fly and um, uh, embracing all his powers and you know, time spent with um, Ma and Pa Kent learning good old American um, wholesome values like letting people die. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll get to that point when I do my Pa Kent um, stuff. It's gold. <laughs> and it, um, and watching it, you know, you know, you kind of know how it's going to end with him embracing Clark Kent as an identity, and that that's fine. Um, my big problem is that 
it really, I never actually feel that I get Clark, uh, that Clark Cowell, Superman's journey as a character. Hmm. Um, in many respects, there should be an archety- archetypal um, hero's journey, you know. Hmm. At no point does it, does it actually do that. It doesn't really develop, the plot doesn't really develop Cowell, Superman, Clark as a character really at all. It begins in the wrong place. It begins with the destruction of Krypton. And... No, as in you don't you don't need that. We you know for the, by and large we actually know what Superman's origin story is. I would have opened on with the um the, where we first see Cal probably on the boat with the and then having to rescue the people on the oil rig, because then you actually get to um, first of all see your main character in action and you get to ask questions about your main character, who he is, what does he do, why can he do this, and you start to go into the character's journey from there. Yeah, but then you would have had this. I mean, but then you still would have needed flashbacks. To talk about his and origins there and stuff, is, and the flashbacks are what is one of the major problems of the storyline in here. Because they're so jarring, they're not, they're not done properly at all. And there is an uh, there is an adequate spot to put the destru- destruction of Krypton when he first meets Jor-El. Yeah, that's fair. That's where that's where I. Because he basically just repeat repeats yeah. what happened anyway. Okay. Actually, I I do agree with you to a certain extent. My my biggest problem with that that early section of the film um, is that overall, I'm actually find more connection and more sympathy with Jor-El than I do with mm. Superman. Like, yeah. Jor-El, you actually get a real good sense of who he is. Yeah, totally. Um, and the sacrifices that he has to make. And, and, and to me, he's actually the, the the sympathetic character in the film. He's the one that really actually stands out. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and, yeah. And, by, and by extension, Lara. Yeah. As well. I mean, they're the ones yeah. that are losing. And a very good performance, too, by Russell Crowe in yes. that regard. I know, like, he's he, awesome. he gets across the full range of, of, of what Jor-El is going through emotionally. Mm. My, 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 my favourite my favorite part in that, that one little section in terms of Russell Crowe's acting is when Zod walks in and states his case. Yeah. And you could actually see Russell, Russell, uh, Jor-El actually contemplates it for a second. He's yeah. like, okay, let me yeah. think about this for a second. Could you actually be right? No, you're not. Yeah. But at least... He gave it a shot. You know? Yeah, and that there's a nice subtlety there that isn't yeah. present in a lot of the rest of this film. So yeah, yeah. and Russell Crowe's other performances. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you tip right there. Sorry. Um, my my big problem with that moment is that it's a nice moment, but it just tells us too much about Cal gets everything right up front without mm. really having earned it, mm. and that's another big problem that I have. You know, it becomes Superman, but there's nothing momentous about that moment. You know, think of the original film in which we first see Superman flying out of the Fortress of Solitude not giving a lot, and then his next moment is when he saves the helicopter. So there's something about yeah. Superman's appearance... And it took 12 years. Mm. Mm. There's something about Superman's appearance that is triumphant, momentous, and you really remember it, whereas Superman's first appearance in this, him walking across the Arctic plane and then learning to jump in the suit, and I th- also think showing the suit right up front, probably not the best idea as well. Why not? Was he meant to wear? You could just be wearing anything. It's Superman. I kind of, I kind of felt like becoming Superman needed to be earned, and he hadn't earned that. Why does he need to earn it? Because like, yes, he hasn't actually done anything for me to go. But the original movie Superman didn't do anything either. He spent twelve I mean, years learning. But he spent, he spent all that time learning, and then the first time we actually see Superman proper, he's actually saving someone. Whereas here, he comes Superman proper, and he's just jumping around. Who's got me? Who's got because he had to learn how to fly. So I mean, it, he didn't get, he didn't have the twelve years of experience mm. that that mm. Christopher Reeve Superman got to have. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, the fact that he spent twelve years in in the fortress learning how to be Superman before it becomes mm. Superman—that's cool. Mm. But this, but this, this particular iteration of Superman doesn't have that opportunity. 
So he has to learn to be soups for the first time by learning how to fly for the first time. So uh, why wouldn't he be wearing his suit at that time, though? But see, he does. He actually does, though. Like, he travels around the world. He's mm. using his powers. You see the scene earlier on where he actually um, rescues the people from the oil Well, rig. then that helps my argument. So doesn't rescuing the oil rig people earn him the suit? Um, not really. See, I, I think this comes down to, honestly, what my biggest problem with this film was. All of these scenes are actually... Th- uh, they're there, and they're clearly there in the script. I mean, you know, the the, the the saving of the oil rig is meant to be a big heroic moment for yeah. him. The, when he first appears as um, Superman, it's meant to be a big, oh, look, he's Superman moment. Mm. My problem is Zack Snyder's not a very good director. Yeah. And these moments that should be big and powerful and epic moments for the character just aren't. But the reason they aren't is because... Zack Snyder doesn't direct them very well, and and so yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, like, like the the rescue of the oil rig, the first meeting with um with Lois Lane, the discovery of the ship, um, you know, um, even the the opening sequence on Krypton, these should be like awe inspiring moments or big bold heroic moments. They should be moments that really stand out and go, oh my god, this is awesome. But you didn't get that from the Krypton sequence? No, I don't think um, Zack Snyder captures any of that really very well at all. I, I, I did, except I, I thought, not another exploding moon. Mm. <laughs> and don't, I, I won't go into a, a how bad the science is rant on that, but yeah. to get, get so over I think, the I actually think the directing, even dur- in that sequence, during the Krypton stuff, actually works to the detriment of the story. And it's only because of a, a fantastic performances by Russell Crowe and Michael Shannon that actually make that sequence work. Um, I got no sense of awe or mm. wonder or excitement from um, Krypton. I didn't get it from him becoming film? Superman. Yeah. Really? Absolutely really? not. I love the um, Krypton stuff. No sense of... And I didn't get it with Metropolis. You don't even see Metropolis. You see the office of the Daily Planet. You don't even see the front of the building. It's like, yeah. we're inside <laughs> the Daily Planet. And that's it. And then you see it basically getting destroyed yeah, I've, got to, I've got to disagree with the Krypton sequence. Other than the flying lizard thing, which I was like... Seriously, it's like Lucas walked into the office and said, hey, chuck it a flying lizard. <laughs> I, the actual the rest of Krypton, I thought was absolutely magnificent. Especially uh, the was, little robot things. I was, I was engaged right from the start. Oh, yeah, right. okay. That's interesting because I, I was completely underwhelmed by that, except for um, Jor-El and being mm. really sympathetic to Jor-El and, and really stunned by... Um, by Michael Shannon as Zod, yeah. who I thought was absolutely fantastic. Great entrance. Mm. You know. Okay, what are you responding to? Because it is, I think what um, Richo's talking about is the moment and the way the moment plays out. Are you guys responding to the moment or are you responding to the design of Krypton? All of it. I think it looked beautiful. I okay. thought it was it was well choreographed. The whole package. This is the whole thing from start to finish. The the yeah, that little that little interaction. Because I think you got to see Zod. more of Krypton in this movie than you did yeah. in the in the first in Superman. The little the, the little floating movie. thing, the robots that you said you like. Yeah. I mean, the awesome. I, I mean, the only thing. I mean, I didn't. The only. I mean, I didn't like like I said the flying lizard. I didn't like the fact that he dived into the water to grab. And, and this codex, it, codex, it looks like half a skull. I'm like, well, this doesn't look very Kryptonian sort of stuff. But other than that, I mean. Jor-El kicking some butt, all the interaction, see, to me, to the me whole fight was... everywhere. It was just magnificent. It was like it was yeah, re- but to me like that bang. was just to me that was just oh, it's an action scene, and yeah. there's lots of actiony action going on. And this film is full of actiony action. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. But what I'm not getting is, and this is across the board from the whole film, I'm not getting any sense of 
awe or wonder or all, all the stuff that I that I associate with Superman. You know, I, I should be awestruck by the awesomeness of, of Superman. And that, that I agree with you. I should I think, be I think... awestruck by the, the, the heroics of Superman and by the, you know, I should be in wonder of, of Krypton and how wondrous and amazing it is. And, you know, and, and it's just, I'm, I'm, it's I'm, just I'm there. Telling you that. I'm one, uh, that's what I'm saying. That I was awestruck and wondrous at the start. And then as soon as we get to Earth, that's when all the wonder lost. Okay. Like I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't in wonder of Superman, and I should be because it's Superman's film. I'm more right. in wonder of Jarrell, thinking, well, Jarrell should have been in the rest of the film because he's kick, he kicks ass. Yeah. See, I was bored in that opening sequence because I just went, oh my goodness, we've opened yet again with the destruction of Krypton. Can we please? But, yeah. See, I actually get disagree. On with that. That. Yeah, I disagree I with that because well. because you've got to you've got to allow for the fact that you've got new, new audiences people. watching this film, but you can actually reveal that later on. I know, the, I know technically, question, yes, you can. Get the, get, the, mm. get the audience to ask questions about the main character first and get them emotionally invested. Yep. Don't give them exposition and backstory yeah. right up front. So I would right. have actually done the complete opposite to that. I wouldn't have had any flashbacks in this film. Like, I, I, I found myself comparing this a lot to, um, say, the opening hour of Batman Begins, which I think is possibly, which is the, which is possibly the most perfect creation of a character, um, a superhero character that I've seen in a film. It's like... Whereas here in, in, in Superman, I don't get that don't get a great sense of that at all. No, you you know, just get just these like, jarring, crappy yeah. flashbacks that really tell you nothing. Yeah. There are moments with Clark and, um, and Park Kent, which yeah, should work. Yeah. But I don't know. Like, they don't work for me. They don't. You're right. Okay, well, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Park Kent. The Park Kent that we get in this, fil- in this film, Jonathan Kent, um, is quite obviously uh, a, a divergent from the, the Jonathan Kent that we know, or the you know, regular Superman readers or watchers of the original movies would know. Um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, that's fine. You can have different interpretations of the character. But I just think that they really got it wrong with this particular version of Jonathan. I think, I mean, not only were um, Costner and Lane sort of underused, I thought they didn't, there's, I mean, you didn't yeah. get, I mean, because you didn't get a lot of his upbringing at, and the start sort of stuff, you didn't get really get to get to use them all that much. Um, but my main problem with, with Jonathan is that I think he's. I actually think he's quite selfish. The way he raises. I mean, it's, it's meant to be the 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 start of uh, Cal's. Uh, I mean, Clark's life is the you know the all American values and stuff like that. Um, but unfortunately, the values that Jonathan gives him um, aren't really all that nice. I disagree. Um, I just think that Jonathan's trying to protect his son, and he's doing it the only way he knows how. And he knows that if um, people start seeing what he can do he's going to be ostracized and considered a freak so he's trying to teach him to be a good human child um and and not to let anyone know he's different until he's actually ready to take that on yeah but that's my point though i actually think that's the opposite of what he should have done so it's like he should should embrace his differences what i'm saying is he's not doing it out of any selfish reasons He's just trying to protect his son. He doesn't want his son hurt. And to follow on from that, because that, I agree with that 100%, he's also trying to teach his son control as well, that he can't actually, if he gets confronted with certain situations, he can't just lash out and use his powers, because someone else will also get hurt. Get hurt, yeah. Okay, that I agree with, the, the, the teaching the control stuff. But I, I, let me just throw something at you, okay? Let's change being Kryptonian to being gay. Oh, uh, you had to go there, didn't you? And then put all that context in there. It's the same thing. It, it not, may not be right, 
but he's doing what he thinks is right. Okay, all right, well then we'll, we'll go with that. I don't think he's right in what in what he did. Yeah. I, I'm I not just, saying, I'm not saying he is either. I'm just saying he's not doing it from any selfish point of view. Maybe not selfish. I don't know. Maybe is he selfish? It's I don't small know. town America, uh, and yeah. that's the way people are brought up. See, to me, this comes back to the directing. There's a whole bunch of flashbacks to Park Hen. Right, yeah, and there are different. There's actually different messages. It's not just the one that you're talking about, but that is that is one that is pretty heavily um, hammered in. But there is a whole sequence of things that Park Kent teaches him. But because they kind of spread out over the film, and because they just like pop in and and out in, as you said earlier, in a rather jarring way, I, I think if you just took all of that and actually had it early on, and you would see the development a lot better of of that relationship. Because Parkent does actually, as as the story progresses, Parkent teaches him a whole range of things. It's mm. just because they're thrown in and out of, you know, these action action sequences. Um, he, I, I think you kind of lose track of them a bit. Whereas, so you think, so you think his message of uh, would would have come across more like Crystal was saying, had, if you'd had some, if if you'd had an actual, time? yeah, if you'd had the actual development, um, sort of progressing. Um, just in a linear fashion in the story, rather than in these weird flashbacks. Yeah, I think the, the you'd find that Park Kent is actually a much more rounded character than maybe you're giving him credit for. Mm. It's just because of the way that they've they're put in. Yeah, I think you kind of lose a bit of that. I just, know? I just, yeah, I, I mean, like, yeah, I, I guess that's that's probably true. I just, I just saw it a, a, a lot. Like, I mean, I, I think the pivotal moment for me is when when Clark says, "What should I should I have just let them die?" And Jonathan says, "Well, maybe," and and. That's that is vitally important for Jonathan Jonathan's character, and also to the the morals that he's meant to be imparting to Clark. Having said that, I actually interpret that obviously differently to you because I interpreted that as Jonathan trying to get Clark to think about what he's doing, and then Clark reaches certain conclusions of his own, and I think that that's actually just Jonathan trying to guide him to those. No, I, 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 I disagree so strongly. Yeah. It's 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 quite clearly just. Uh, I don't want you to expose your abilities yet. And so, yeah, possibly you should have let them die if it meant not exposing your abilities. I took it as maybe I don't really know myself. And I agree. That, that That's how it came across to me because the important statement here well, is maybe... got some sort of background parental issues that uh, <laughs> came across well, the, in the performance. Important, I think the important, <laughs> the important word here that he uses is maybe. He doesn't say, yes, you should have let them die, right? <clears throat> but he, he, gets, he gets Clark... Thinking about Clark's responsibilities. Anyway, so I mean, I, I just I didn't I didn't hate Jonathan, and yeah. I thought Kevin did you know a fair job. Um, you know, it's Kevin it's Kevin Costner being Kevin Costner, really. Um, I just think as a parent, <laughs> I just I think he falls flat, especially in comparison to the Glenn Ford version of of, of, John, of Jonathan. I mean, I mean, it's, it's just it's I mean, comparison. Sorry, there's no comparison. There's no, I mean, there's, there's, I mean, there's, I, I don't want to. I'm not trying to, trying to idolize, you know, the original in terms of the thing. I mean, this is a different interpretation, and that's fine, right? I just don't think it came across well enough. And and like and like my analogy before that, you obviously weren't too fond of. But I mean, this whole hiding hiding yourself away because of fear of being ostracized in some way. Like I said, if you if you if you changed it from Kryptonian to gay, that would be a disaster in terms of his psyche. And then what what he thinks other people he should he should be treated with respect, regardless of whether you're different or not. Okay, I see where you're coming from. I do want to actually put, do say one really positive thing about this because we've been quite harsh on the film so far. <laughs> um, 
I thought we'd get rid of the crappy stuff and then get to the other positives. <laughs> we've been quite we've been, we've been positive. <laughs> we've been positive for the Krypton stuff. Um, I think this film is brilliantly cast. Yeah. I think Henry Cavill, Amy Adams do a fantastic job with what they're given. Mm. I wish there was more character work for them to work with. Yep. I think Michael Shannon is brilliant as Zod and he's a completely different Zod to, to Terrence Stamp mm, yeah. and that's what I like he's more of a, of a soldier type of Zod I love as the uh, to... old school Klingon look there especially when he puts yeah, the ear yeah. <laughs> but, and he's just got such a great presence to be a villain mm. like he's just his face and and, and the, the that sort of sort of nasty charisma that he has yeah. and it just makes him a great villain um, he and Fiora are actually my two favourite characters yeah. Fiora <laughs> the, the woman whose name we can't pronounce yeah, the, um, the does a great job as Fiora um, and as we've said um, Russell Crowe almost steals the show as Jor-El he's, the, mm. he's your sympathy character so they've cast this film brilliantly I just wish they'd given these these really good actors more character work to work with. Yeah, well, the problem is that the characters are so one-dimensional. Yeah. Um, except maybe for Zod, I suppose. Yeah. In that no matter how good an actor you are... I mean, Henry, Henry Cavell is actually quite a good actor. He is, yeah. But the version of Clark and Superman that he's given is just nowhere, nowhere yeah. near up to what he could have actually is done. It, is yeah, it, is agreed. It because, is it being lazy because we already know the characters so well... That you don't really have to do that much with them, but once again, maybe, that, but maybe. Then, but then once again, that comes back to what we were saying earlier. Yeah. You've got to accept that there's a new audience here yeah. as well, and you've got to give that audience an indication of really who Clark Kent is and why mm. he becomes Superman. So people, but people have said that Carol comes across as wooden. I, just, I don't no, think I don't. that's. I don't think that's at all. I, no. I think it's actually it's he does the best he can do with the characters. It's Superman yeah. who's yeah. wooden, mm. not Ka- not yeah. Cavill who's yeah. wooden. Yeah, unfortunately, wood. <laughs> that's why yeah. I said man of wood at the start. See, it all comes back. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, this is a very superficial uh, depiction of Superman that you get. Mm. Yeah, it's an interesting take on the character. Or, more importantly, could have been an interesting take on the character. Mm. But it really does just exist at that one, as you said, that one-dimensional level. Yeah. The version of Lois mm. is not too bad. Um, but well, once again, Amy yeah. Adams is but, a really great actress. Yeah, but once um, again, yeah, and, and it could have been so much more. Yeah, she, she makes the most of... There's a couple of really good scenes. I think the first yeah. kiss between um, Lois and Clark is quite well done. and her. Really? Yeah. I disagree. I think it's, a, I think it's so it's forced. I think it was only put in, the, in there because people expect it from the comics. Yeah. And I think her, um, her early on when you see her at the at the uh, military base when they're actually when they've yeah, discovered yeah. the ship, I think her entire that entire sequence, I think she's just awesome. Yeah, I agree. We've <laughs> um, talked a lot about um, the way that the film starts and the, the setup for the film. Um, it, it, the other big thing is that once things do get going, and Zod makes his presence known on Earth, it really just descends into action sequences and so there really is not much in terms of story at that point there is you know a, a plot line that they've got a um that they've got to resolve which is are they going to stop the um the world um the world builders from the world builders it's called the world builder the world and, builders yeah, from um uh destroying the earth and wiping mm. out humanity but there isn't much more to that mm. and there isn't partic- there isn't really anything clever about the resolution there are some nice moments um involving christopher maloney and richard schiff um, oh, I didn't mention him in the casting. That was Elliot. awesome. It was awesome seeing Elliot. I can't tell you how well, it was also man, not, it was my nice man seeing, crush on Elliot. It was nice seeing Elliot, sta- um, crazy Elliot Stabler. Yeah. But also um, uh, smart Toby Ziegler from The West Wing, yeah. um, which is Richard Schiff. There are some, there are some nice moments. Um, but yeah, it, it really just, it, it just, the last hour or so becomes one long fight scene after another and you do get 
battle fatigue sets in really after the small fight. Nice way of putting it. Mm. That is enough. Um, battle fatigue. I like that. They go. Come on, can you resolve this? There was just a lot of destruction. You don't get to see. You get to see Superman do something kind of heroic. He saves a soldier at one point and tells a couple. That's of people the Smallville leave. fight. And the Smallville fight and tells a couple of people to leave. Yeah. But one of the nice things about watching certainly Superman two is that there was a moment where Superman just goes, "No, don't do that." There are people there, and he actually does. You do get the sense of the compassion. Yeah. In Superman as a character. Yeah. Um, and I think really that's what's lacking for me. I wanted to see. I'm not getting to brawls and punch-ons, I wanted to see Superman do what I think Superman is all about, which is saving people. You wanted yeah, to see Superman be Superman. Yeah, I yeah. wanted to see Superman yeah. be Superman. I'm totally, I'm totally cool with that, but don't you think the... I mean, we've talked about how the direction's pretty bad, but the Smallville the Smallville fight sequence between him and the two Kryptonians, I mm. think, is is the best superhero fight that I've ever seen translated into film. If you don't take distances into account. <laughs> it just it um, just makes complete sense on exactly how it would work. But it's, it's too long. It's not too long. I think it's, I think it's perfect. No, yeah, no, I, I've got to agree with Dave here. I actually yeah. think that the uh, Smallville fight does everything that the yeah. Metropolis fight doesn't do. Totally he res- with you. He rescues people. Yep. He actually tries to be heroic. He's trying to stop the, the place from getting destroyed. Like, he's doing all the stuff that I would have liked to have seen later on in the Metropolis fight as well. Yeah. For the Metropolis fight, though, I actually think when he takes out the World Builder, mm. that is a great heroic moment for him. When he actually takes down the... I don't know. Then why, the didn't, why doesn't he take out... Instead of even bothering with the one that's out in the middle of nowhere, it's like out in the middle of the ocean, why, why not actually go to the, the one in the Metropolis? Mm. The one that's actually yeah. killing people. Yeah. Having said that, uh, I, I do agree here. with you, and I do also think he probably could have. Uh, they could probably could have done it a bit better. Yeah. And I, I remember during that sequence, I remember thinking back to um, the old Fleischer cartoons yeah. of of the the giant know, robots, is where, where where he's got a punch, where the blast is shooting him. He's just punching his way through. To it was, yeah, that's awesome. And I thought mm. they could have done that. That would have been cool as well. Yeah, punching yeah. the gravity thing. Yeah, yeah, that would yeah. yeah, have been cool. And I just thought because that that was kind of what that moment reminded me of, but just not as cool <laughs> yeah yeah getting back to the, the point it just it, the, the story kind of stops yeah there's lots and lots of fights totally with you mm. totally, battle fatigue i think is the the perfect description mm. by the end of it you're just so tired and, and uh, at that point when uh, he does disable the world builder that should have been the end of it mm. that, that re- we didn't really need that last battle between him and, and zod Zod could have been time. up there and gone with the rest of them we didn't need that last mm. last bit and uh, just I just take your point about destruction. They pretty much wipe out most of New York. Whoops, I mean, Metropolis. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's very post-9-11. Imagine, imagine the, the thousands, maybe millions of people who have died during that fight. Yeah, but it's important to point out there that you actually don't see anybody die. No, you don't. But, I mean, you, you, they've got to be... I mean, it's, they've wiped out whole buildings. But how do you know they haven't been evacuated? Like, the fact is you don't know because you don't see it. The only yeah. people you see die are the ones that the world that the machine. We also gets. don't see any evacuation either, so you've mm. got to assume there are yeah. people in there. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, the world I, just comes down and drops there, and then I just want to do something to, to either way um, from from Crystal to you, Waldo. <laughs> I, I can see I can see your point, but you don't see yeah. the evacuation. In fact, either, and, so and, and, in fact there, there is no evacuation. Because you actually see Perry White and the people of the Daily Planet having to just rush down to the street well, and run Perry, away themselves. Perry actually says, "Get out of the building." Yeah, there's yeah. no, there's no evacuation. All right, that's and and fair I think the, the reason that he goes for the other end of the world builder because he needs to disable it, so then they can come in on the Metropolis side yeah. and deliver the uh, 
bomb that was going to blow the up. Stabler bomb. Mm. Stabler bomb. So it's like uh, Endor and the and the Death Star. Mm. Yeah. To get back to a point that you were making there, Crystal, about the Zod, um, yeah. so, uh, uh, the Zod Superman fight, and when the world is destroyed, the story should stop. Um, they're trying to set up the Zod fight, Superman fight, throughout the film. But I agree mm. with you; it's yeah. it's at the wrong point. It should yeah. be, you know, this amazing spe- this amazing thing. But Superman's purpose is to beat Zod to get to the world builder because that's the important bit. Yeah. Um, oh, we did. Of, yeah, that, that would have yeah. been instead yeah. instead of a philosophical Didn't argument and Zod wanting to enact revenge on Superman, and that which is what that last fight's about. Yeah. Um, but that that's where you should have got you know and the amazing spectacle of what mm-hmm. Superman is all about in that moment that he can take on. Yeah. He's, he's all about doing what he needs to do to get the important thing yeah. done. And I know this movie that was, was meant good, to that be. That would have been better. Yeah, right. It was meant to be a new thing, standing on its own two feet. But I did, I did wish there was a Neil before sword. <laughs> no, I'm glad there wasn't a Neil. Yeah, before no, sword. I agree. It I'm, wouldn't I'm have worked. So um, I think to. Um, but it is, it is like, a cool moment. Well, I think to things like Rise of the Planet of the Apes, where they try to fit in, you know, original Planet of the Apes lines and things yeah. like that. Yeah, I actually hate that sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah, it just it just doesn't work for me these days because yeah. it seems so forced. As much as I love Terrence Stamps as odd, yeah. I also love Michael Shannon. Exactly Zod, right, yeah. and I'm yeah. I'm cool that they're different versions. Yeah. Let's actually let's talk about this last fight then. I said it right at the start, but spoiler alert! I mean, spoilerific. No. Okay, so I very much like your interpretation of how the event should have gone. I totally disagree with all the krypton stuff, but this one I totally agree. That, yeah. yeah, that's exactly right. When and you say you're, right. he's talking to Luke. Yeah, Luke. people who can't see. That's right. It's not a video. <laughs> um, and as a fanboy, I did like the the, the, the Superman versus Zod stuff being cool. Yeah, it does go on ridiculously long, um, but it does have some awesome moments. I mean, where I mean, and this is another example of where Supes is trying to is actually thinking for a change, and he's actually trying to take the fight out away from the people and the and the, and the buildings, mm. and like to take like actually takes it to space, which is like which is always my categorize. It's like yeah. it's, these fights in these comics should always just end within seconds because Supes can just throw you into the sun. <laughs> so <laughs> and so he does sort of try that sort of thing, like sort of takes him out in space, and it's. Bloody Zod that draws draws him back to Metropolis. Oh, I love seeing Superman. Yeah, I mean, throws a satellite at him. I mean, that's awesome. So there's lots of awesome moments in it, and I mean, the whole you know punching and sort of as he, he punches him into the distance and then flies up and then punches him again and sort of stuff. It was all very well done, but it is so long, and by the same of it, you're so tired of it. And then then when you get to the final climatic scene in the comics, uh, Superman has a very strong moral moral code uh, against killing, and in this film. They've decided that Superman is uh, will kill Zod. Has Zod in a chokehold? They, they, there's a family uh, in the building in the distance, and Zod at this point is has basically got nothing to lose. So he at, during the start of the fight, which I think is one of Michael Shannon's best scenes, is he explains to Clark uh, to Superman exactly just how much he's destroyed him, his soul. So like, see, you've taken my whole purpose to live away, and so the only way I'm now going to take your purpose to live away, and the only way you're going to stop me is to kill me. And so they get to that point. So in order to stop, uh, so Zod, uh, in order to, to inflict as much pain on, on Supes as he can, he tries to kill this family using his heat vision. And uh, Supes, uh, despite not being too happy about the situation, uh, decides that the, the the only way that he can fight, if he can figure out to stop him is to snap his neck. Um, I didn't see any other option for him. Yeah, see, that's the thing. So I, I, what, I, what I want to talk about is is he obviously had more options. If he'd thought about it for a second, he could have covered his eyes, moved his head away, but these are launched the things you into, think about into later. space. These, this, if you're in that situation, these are the sort of things you would 
think about later. At the moment, he's got all he knows. But is I thought about him at the it. time. Yeah, but you're not him. That's the thing. He should be smarter than me. Um, <laughs> I should point out that this is young Superman. So yeah, on, on the on the journey, I did want to get to that. Have, yeah. um, he doesn't. He, he might have some of the moral code, but he doesn't quite have the um, the, the experience or the resources uh, to know what he should the, the best way to solve the situation just yet. Yeah. By this point, it'd gone on for on and on and on and on and on. And even if he had those things going through his head, he's thinking. Well, how else? If I if I don't stop him now, yeah. If I just cover his eyes, the fight's going to continue. More people are going to die. That's an excellent point. This, 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 let's, let's combine those two oh. points because they're both excellent. Yeah. By this point, he's so tired, and he doesn't have the experience, <laughs> and so he just he reaches the conclusion that he has. Having said that, what if he hadn't have gone and just killed him? What if he had found another way? I actually think that would have played in better to the heroism of Superman. It's mm. like, yeah. I can find another way. And I, I do take both of your arguments, mm. but to me it's like, you know, he, it, it just seems to be the most obvious option to take. And I actually think it could have been a stronger for Superman as a character to actually not kill Zod. And I think it would have proved... I think it would have proved his point against Zod a lot better mm. if he actually hadn't killed him, I think... Of um, course, and of course. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's, obvi- that's, uh, that's obviously correct, right, for the Superman that we... Uh, are used to, but this is a brand new Superman yeah, who, as Luke says, uh, has no experience. But uh, this is pretty much his second fight ever. Mm. Like he didn't even fight people as a, as a kid. You know what I mean? And so he's and he's and he's by this point he's just mentally and physically drained. And I understand all of that, and I'm not disagreeing with that. But what I'm saying is, what um, really does it serve the best purposes of the character mm. to have him then kill Zod? Yeah. Or if would it would it serve to say? Because re- really, it, it, to me, not killing Zod and finding another way would have said, I'm better than you. You know, I, I am not you yep. and I can find another way to do it. And to me, that would have been a stronger yeah. character ending mm. for mm. Superman yep. than, than to actually kill him. This possibly could set up something for Superman 2. Now he's in Superman 2. He's beaten himself up over this. He's killed the last yeah. other last remaining Kryptonian. Having said that, he's not really beating himself up at the he's, end of the film. Gone, After he does the whole, gone, you know, come on! Bit of the, they've <laughs> gone down the Doctor Who route. The Doctor um, is the last Gallifreyan, yeah. and he has to kill the Master. Well, tries to actually save him, that the Master refuses to, to live. It's my, the same sort of thing. My, my concern with that, though, is that given the poor character work in this film, yeah. I can't imagine that if the same people are involved in the next film that they're going to do suddenly like, develop so better right. character work, that they're suddenly going <laughs> to go, oh, you know what? We didn't do any real great character work in the last <laughs> film, but now we're going to create yeah, but- all the character work that you wished was in the first film. Apparently the, the killing of Zod actually came from Zack Snyder and not Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan yeah. was actually quite opposed to it. Oh, yeah, I remember reading wow. that. Yeah, he was wow. actually nice. Wow, surprising. <laughs> and uh, he eventually got talked around to it or something, or just whatever. I yeah. Mean, yeah, that's interesting. That's a, good, that's a very good point to make. But although Nolan, Nolan's no better. I mean, Batman Begins, I, I won't kill you, but I don't I have to save, save you. you. Ridiculous. Uh, yeah, so I mean, at the, at the time when I, when I saw it, of course, like all true Superman fans, I was horrified. And it was like, what the hell? But then I got to thinking more in Luke's point of view and it's he's he's demonstrated time and time again that he really has no idea what he's doing it's just he's just blind by the wind of his wind of his non-existing outer shorts and so it's it, it actually it actually makes sense to me and i've actually i've come to terms with it i'm actually okay with it as long as they do what i hope they do and in the second film it, he never kills anything ever again 
some minor sort of things that I did that kind of annoyed me and I was going to sort of throw them out rapid fire. There's no point for Lois to be taken as like, oh, Zod's also wants this woman to come with us. Why? Because she's hot. <laughs> it doesn't make any difference, any <laughs> sense know. at all. It makes no <laughs> sense. It's clearly just to put her in a situation of danger. It's, it's, no, it's to... Um, and, you know, so you can give her the thing. It's it's for to play on Superman's, uh, you know, we might hurt this woman, so you... Have but why her in particular? Zod would have no idea that he has any feelings in any way for this girl. Could have been any human. Yeah, but she's there. Um, the other thing is, uh, Jor-El steals the Codex at the start. One, the Codex just looks stupid. It's like half a skull. So what this is about. And also, do they not have backups? This is the, the DNA of their entire race. Surely you'd make a backup. <laughs> it's, like, it's like working with Windows. Anyway. Yeah, you know, you know, I hadn't even thought about that one, so anyway, please so, keep going. <laughs> um, and, and just related to that, the scout ship that's on Earth has a Genesis section in it, the gen- what they call the Genesis, the Genesis chamber or something, which is we use, which they use the Codex information to create baby Kryptonians. But there's no Codex on the ship. They weren't, going to get, they weren't going to get the Codex from Krypton to Earth. What are the babies maybe, doing there? There's anyway? no point to be there. Maybe, no they just, there uh, maybe they just loaded them in, like, just in case. It's just silly. <laughs> I just don't understand it. And plus, all the other Kryptonians have Kryptonian DNA. Just start making babies. <laughs> so it's like, you know, even if, you, if you're against the physical act of love, just scrape some DNA samples or something. Just start making clones or something. It's bizarre. Anyway, but the no backup thing really annoyed me. I guess it's because I work in IT, I suppose. Um, they didn't try turning it off and on again. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> in this day and, and the, this is a re, this is a reboot for a modern audience, and that's fine. That's cool. That, but if you're going to do that, then I'm sorry, but the glasses thing just does not work. So if you're in a situation <laughs> it's where never worked, what are you talking a, about? Oh, no, they've, they've got they've, tirade. They've, they've got reasons. They've got reasons for it uh, in the comics for how it works. Kryptonian mm. technology and all that sort of stuff. It's 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 <laughs> campy as hell, but it's awesome. Um, in the same age of YouTube and, you know, instant video and, you know, mobile phones and all that sort of Google stuff. Google face recognition. Yeah, go- yeah, exactly. <laughs> so in the, in this day and age, this glasses thing is just not going to work. Especially since he starts to work for a newspaper who are no doubt at this point, because you have to assume it's a couple of days later at least, because they have to rebuild the city. It's, they've, they've scoured every single image of Superman that they've got if, if not every single person in that newsroom doesn't know exactly what Supes looks like, they should be fired. You know, I'm going to say this now. Um, you're talking about a movie where an alien <laughs> is flying around in a costume, beating up other aliens, and you're concerned about the realism of him disguising himself <laughs> with a pair of glasses. That's what I was saying. It doesn't make any sense, and I'm sticking Seriously, with the story. Seriously, that's, that, that's your theme. <laughs> I did you say know, minor quibbles. Quibbles at the start do, of the film should actually... Do you want to go into the to the to the physics of Superman as to whether all of this stuff will work? Yeah, you're or just not? being stupid. And this is this, this, I'm talking about story related stuff. No, no, no. You're talking about glasses in a story about a guy who shoots, shoots beams of, of heat from his eyes. I'm talking like, about there's, their. There's I'm talking about, about their attempt to actually not, try and be realistic. I don't know what you're but talking about. They're not. No. But they are trying to be realistic. That's the whole point of it. They're trying to put Superman into a realistic situation so that the Batman Begins version of Chris- that Christopher Nolan has created can fit into a combined DC universe, just like Marvel have done. And I'm saying the glasses thing fails that. Yeah, no, look, I've, I've got to disagree with that. I mean, I hear this <laughs> argument all the time, and I'm thinking, given the unreality of Superman anyway, to quibble about whether or not he could be hidden by a pair of glasses or not just seems kind of nerd-rage-ish to me. Well, I never said it wasn't nerd-rage. Oh. You- 
Yeah, but there is much more <laughs> important things to argue about, I think, in this film than whether or not the glasses work or not. How is it important to argue about anything in this film? It's just a film. Okay, now you're getting upset. My basic argument is a film filled with massive amounts of crazy fantasy. I don't think really the glasses is, is, is something to really argue about. I will admit I did like that bit, that bit where she says, welcome to the planet, hmm. and, uh, and he smiles. I thought that was good. I don't, I don't mind it's... Lois knowing who he is. Well, that was very stimulating. Back to it. <laughs> uh, all right, so just, uh, so just to finish up my final thoughts and, and uh, get to the guys with their, theirs and ratings, I think... Uh, Man of Steel is is too heavy on the action and too light on the substance, and there's there was potential here to make a truly magnificent version uh, of Superman for a new generation. It did improve on Superman Returns uh, story wise. Um, I still think Brandon Ruth, Brandon Ruth did a better job, but um, that's but that's if, if Henry Cavill had had a, a better character to work with, he would have been outstanding. Um, I agree totally with Richo's uh, it was so well cast and the end is too long uh, but other than that and my many other minor quibbles that we had before <laughs> nerd raging uh, I give it 3 out of 5 one thing I haven't touched on and I will just briefly here um, this is not a kids movie this is like this is like Superman for 35 year olds and I, I think that if you are looking for a new generation of fans, this is not necessarily the way to go about it. What you're going to get is a whole bunch of people our age who love it, and maybe late teenagers and things like that. But unlike, say, the, the Christopher Reeve Superman, you wouldn't be showing this to, you know, five, six, seven-year-olds, um, you know, which is the age that I was when I saw Superman, you know. Um, yeah, and, and to me, that that annoys me a little bit. It's like it's like we can't make films that kids can appreciate as well anymore. We've got to make them all dark and gritty and have lots of action action and, you know, snapping people's necks and things like that with the heroes. Look, there's some of the parts of this were good, but they didn't make for a very good whole. And as I've said numerous times in this review, um, Zack Snyder, I think, is my biggest problem here. Um, I'm going to give this two Luke's. I'm going to give this one Luke, which means only half a Luke better than Masters of the Universe. <laughs> And Roth and Star Trek Into Darkness. Except this didn't have Benedict Cumberbatch in it. I will also give this three Lukes. Um, it's, I can't help comparing it to Superman the movie. But you can make the best Superman movie in the world and it's not going to beat Superman the movie for me because I saw it when I was five years old. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to replace that sense of wonder that I got when I was that age. And, um, and mainly that came from... The, the Krypton sequence and then flying through space. So I, I, not even the Superman character itself um, is what instilled that sense of wonder in me. It was the, the space scenes and the music. So you just you just can't replace that because I'm too old. <laughs> <laughs> you'd have to make a you'd have to make a better movie than that, which this one wasn't. And I'd have to be five years old again. <laughs> that is probably the most perfect final thoughts we've ever had. I'm glad you mentioned the music. I mean, the I mean, our listeners will know just how much we adore the original Superman stuff, um, uh, especially me. And 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 the, and the music in this was, you know, it was it was fine. I, I, I do I do quite good. I do quite really like good. the Superman main theme, yeah. the one that plays over the end credits. Actually, I think that's mm. really really good. Not as good as the original as original movie version, but it's 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 actually quite good. And the rest of it, yeah, it did. I mean, you could tell he tried. Mm. You know what I mean? You can tell he mm. really gave it a go. 
Um, so there you go. There's our uh, ridiculously long <laughs> Man of Steel review. I mean, really, that was huge. There was a lot um, to say, though. There was a lot to say. I'm gonna. I'll try and cut it down a bit, but I do expect this to go for at least half an hour. <laughs> so if, if you're listening and it's, it's been half an hour, don't be shocked because we've been recording over an hour. It's at, at this point in time. It's one hour, twelve minutes, and actually just hit thirteen minutes. But yeah, but but Richo is right. It's. It, it's a film that uh, inspires discussion. Indeed. And uh, for good friends like ourselves to fire up at each other like we did, you can tell. It's a polarising experience. Yeah. <laughs> Who would have thought it? But the love Thork is still it? there. Thork it? <laughs> Who would have thought it? Oh, that, that sounds like a good character name. Thork it! I am Thork it! <laughs> yeah. Thork it of wonder. Yeah. Kneel before I'd... Thork! <laughs> okay, so let's, let's, that's, that was epic. Let's move on. Uh, as the character himself is, Superman deserves discussion. So let's move on to our roundtable on Superman. Okay, I'm not going to go, go it, uh, in too deep on, on Superman, the character, and uh, you know, his biography and all that sort of stuff, because let's face it, if you don't know who Superman is... <laughs> Why are you listening to this <laughs> show? And we've done it before. Oh, that's true. We have done it before. Good point. So just so just briefly, Superman, he appears in DC Comics, <laughs> is, uh, was created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster um, in 1933, and his first appearance is in Action Comics 1, which is 1938. And the S, the S symbol is one of the most widely recognised symbols in the world. Oh, man, Superman. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's fairly safe to say that as popular as Spider-Man and Batman are, yeah. Superman is still the most recognisable superhero. The, the most. Yeah. yeah, He's the Vader of the superhero world. I did like Everybody that, I did like that bit in the interrogation series. It's like a, it, means, it means hope. So what on earth it means it is. He's a character who time and time again has been constantly reintroduced via new mediums about every decade has had an incarnation of Superman yeah. in in uh, in some way, shape or form that's actually had mass cultural appeal. Yeah. They've kept they him in the zeitgeist. He hasn't really had, had much of a vacation poor Supes. He's, no. like, he's, already, he's always out there. Yeah. Totally young though. Hmm. That's true. And, always, and, and hot apparently. Matt, <laughs> <laughs> like, notice that the boys keep saying that. Well, he's I a haven't said man. that once. <laughs> Henry Cavill's a handsome man. Oh, I can acknowledge no, it. Okay. <laughs> I'd just like to point out something. It's been David Witcher who said that. True. Like, I'm, I'm comfortable in my sexuality. I, would, I, I challenge any male listener to, not, who, who has seen the film at the point where Henry Cavill, after he saves the oil rig, and then runs up and then does a very unsuperman thing of stealing that dude's clothes. But when he comes, <laughs> when he comes up running past that house, yeah. I, I challenge anyone to have not gone, God damn. <laughs> That's pretty I, I, impressive. I, I'm, not, I'm not disagreeing. I'm just saying I, I, I like this expression. It's, 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 <laughs> this, is, this is good. This is modern man stuff. That's all right. We're, we're sensitive new age super guys. <laughs> anyway, we on. New age nerds. <laughs> when they say it, they're making fun of it. <laughs> that should be pointed out as well. <laughs> oh, jeez. Cool. So um, for this roundtable, what I want to do is I'm actually I'm going to ask uh, three questions and I'm going to throw it to the crew members and um, get their responses 
possibly, I don't know, maybe some arguments, I don't know. Let's hopefully some arguments. Let's get it, let's get it on. But <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Fight. Okay. And uh, listeners of our brother podcast, ECN Radio, um, will know that I actually asked these questions on that show to uh, their boys um, as sort of a prelude to this show. So it's like a, it's a part one, part two, combining the universe, Marvel style. So uh, yeah, check out uh, ECN Radio um, for their answers to these questions. Okay, so question number one. The writers of Superman have mentioned uh, that, it is, that Superman is hard to write for. Uh, because he's so powerful, as portrayed in the comics, that he's basically, essentially, unbeatable. Um, so, what would be your thoughts on that? Quite simply, get some more imaginative writers. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that, 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 that's it in a nutshell. you think Superman's too powerful, you go and create villains or even more. Isn't that what they invented crypto- Kryptonite for? Yeah. yeah. And there, there are other the weaknesses as well. Magic mm. yeah. is, a, is a weakness that Superman suffers from. Mm. Um, I, look... Do an emotional fight rather than a uh, physical one. Yeah, spot on. Sorry. Having said no, that, that's, that's, I can, that's, that's exactly that's, right. That's essentially it, yeah. yeah. I can understand um, where certain writers are coming from. Part of the problem, I suppose, also might be that Superman's villains aren't exactly super powerful villains a lot of the time. However, I'm sure you could do something imaginative with somebody like the Parasite or even mm. Doomsday if you really wanted to go that way. Part of what makes the Superman-Lex Luthor um, rivalry work is that Superman has the physical power, Lex Luthor has the intellectual power. Mm. And really, writers could play that those sort of things up, and many writers do. Mm. Um, I mean, obviously, you've had multiple Superman comics being published for decades now, so <laughs> clearly, clearly it hasn't been too much of a problem. Well, I've had more been... Otis. <laughs> you have Otisburg! <laughs> Um, it's an itty bitty place. <laughs> I mean, I think you got to give props to John Byrne in that regard because he created, like, he created Lex Luthor, who was not just a scheming supervillain. He created a businessman who, um, who, who saw Superman as a as a bit of a threat. But instead of doing the the stereotypical thing, which is having him invent all these crazy inventions, Luthor's always a guy who's in control. He's in control of this um, this grand corporation, mm. um, like a chess game. Yeah, mm. I do love that bit in the in the the John Byrne. Issues where uh, Lex finds out who Superman is, yeah, it's, you know, with, with, the, with the private detectives, but refuses to believe it yeah. because because Superman's this god, yeah. and it's like, why would he be this lowly little <laughs> reporter? Take right. the glasses off. <laughs> yeah, take the glasses off. You would have known. <laughs> I think. Um, I think actually the bigger problem here is not so much that Superman is too powerful, and um, you know, therefore you can't write interesting stories with him. Part of the problem is, is it's often difficult to define exactly what Superman's abilities actually are. Yeah. And they seem to constantly change it. They up his power. They reduce his power. They, yeah. I mean, if there, was, if there was a constant level that writers could understand, that yeah. might be a little bit easier. But the problem is, is that there's so many interpretations of Superman over the years. And all the different writers coming onto the comics, they all have you know, a period of Superman that they love the most that they then write to that version of Superman. Yeah. Um, Fair enough. I mean, Byrne, Byrne, when he came onto the book, he greatly reduced Superman's powers. Mm. But then when someone like, say, Jeff Loeb came onto the book with a real love for the sort of 50s and 60s version of the character, he greatly increased Superman's powers again. Mm. And then we saw it again um, um, in the Up, Up and Away story that happened uh, post... Was it Infinite Crisis? Yep. Post Infinite Crisis, where um, 
they once again they wrote a story where they suddenly had him using super intelligence and, and things like that so mm. re- really I think that might be a, a bigger problem the answer to this is actually Kurt Busiek's first solo Superman issue after Up Up and Away because he co-wrote Up Up and Away with Jeff Johns um, and he took over Superman when John took over action and his first issue is just, is just simply almost a kind of a day in the life of but he presents Superman as still being really powerful but the sacrifice comes into Clark Kent's Clark Kent's life, so whilst off saving the world and not having fantastic adventures, um, Clark Kent's, it means that Clark Kent misses deadlines Mm. and misses meetings with Lois. It's sort of getting back to what Crystal was saying, you know, uh, play up the emotional element of, or the personal element of Superman a lot more, and you've got something that's interesting. Busiek's the master of that. And Busiek, it does a very good job in Mm. that first issue. Mm. you know, at no point do I do I they go. Oh my goodness, he's an all new writer too, and that's deep power Superman. Mm. Not Superman is powerful. It's just that that power comes with sacrifice. Exactly right. Cool. And you know, using Man of Steel as a good example. Okay, Superman's really powerful. Let's throw an entire army of Kryptonians at him and destroy most of Metropolis. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, that, I that, liked, that's more we'll fight. It's magnificent. I would have liked to have seen how the beard came off. <laughs> in the comics, in the John Byrne comics, he uses a piece of his of the ship that he comes to Earth in and be, bounces his heat vision off of it, off of it which is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, that that pretty much I, I agree with everything that you've said. Um, so much for the fight. Yeah, no, don't sorry, worry, I, don't worry. I'm sure we'll be able to fight I, eventually. I apologize. I, I, I agree. I, I'm sorry. I could make it live. You want? No, it's you're all wrong. No, That's my no. line. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. What work. is with this you know, <laughs> constant floundering of my rules? You're all no. stealing my line of late. Well, when it's a good thing. <laughs> well, if it works. True. If it works. Yeah. Maybe I should copyright it and charge you all. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome. You get, it's like if you've seen Happy Birthday. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, moving on to number two. Uh, once again, it's a, it's a common sort of theme that Superman is hard to relate to because of his Boy Scout image. Uh, which is some, something Man of Steel tries to address, I suppose, uh, and fails. But uh, yeah, so he's, he's, he's long been considered the Boy Scout, who you know he will not kill, saves little kittens, even though he could basically move the planet and that sort of stuff. Um, and so that sort of led to heroes like like Batman, uh, who also doesn't kill, but still is happy to beat the crap out of people, um, and Wolverine, who will not even hesitate to kill to be, be to being quite popular. Okay, just because you're a dark, gritty. Um a psychologically defunct person doesn't actually make you any more realistic, and that's that's the charge mm. that gets thrown with this one. That oh, he's he's pure and he's he's good he's good of heart, and that's what makes him unrealistic. Mm. There are many plenty of good people in this world who mm. actually have, um, you know, not ne- necessarily Superman's powers or abilities, and possibly no one near as um, good as he is, but they are still good people at heart who do who have a lot of the values that he has. Mm. So to say that um, he's hard to write for, hard to relate to, because he's unrealistic, um, I think that comes down to more of a personal thing. Mm. But uh, to, if you're going to generalise it quite that right way, well, that's quite clearly wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, think, I, I think it's actually kind of offensive. Mm. It's yeah. like, well, what sort of person and, are you that you find this hard to relate to? And at no point does Superman call himself a Boy Scout. No. That's what other people call him. Exactly. That's why I like Superman. Yeah. So I came across Superman when I was four or five years old. Here's a person to aspire to. And if you're a young kid, which is really what superheroes were originally aimed at, the young kids, you want them to grow up with the same sort of morals and, and outlook on life that Superman has. You don't want them to be dark and damaged like Batman. Hmm. 
What I find rather humorous about this one is that Superman is actually the quintessential American story. He's yeah. an immigrant. Yeah. He comes to America. He embraces American ways and American culture and is, is taught all of those qualities that America espouses too. You know, truth, truth and justice. justice um, you know, um, equality. Um, and then he then actually goes out and tries to do something about that. I mean, yeah. I don't... To, to me, he should be more relatable to audiences than um, character, you know, obsessive nutcases like Batman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fantasy. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's what, one of the nice things about nice things about Superman. He's doing all the stuff that we want to do. Yeah, but this comes back to I think this move from the late eighties onwards towards you know grim and gritty type characters. The dark and, age. Yeah, and, oh, you know every character has to have a some sort of psychological disorder, and you know um, they it's like it's like you wreck it wealth. It's like it's not her fault. She was programmed with the the most tragic backstory ever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's and that's the thing. I you mean, want hot dame. Yeah. Um, Ellen Moore tells a fantastic story about people um, at conventions coming up to him and talking about, um, you know, how much they loved Rorschach because they could really relate to him. Yeah. And his response is, Rorschach is a sociopath. Yeah. But <laughs> he's a complete nutcase. How can you relate to that character? <laughs> that but I think so that's true. what it was. People, um, you know, and you see it with the influx of really crime writers into comics now. Yeah. Where they're more, you know, they're more interested in those kind of sort of shades of grey characters. Um, and I think a lot of that is where this argument comes from. Yeah, but I, I just don't think that Superman is less relatable. I think people just these days seem to prefer their characters to be more dark and gritty. people and confusing relatable with realistic? Mm. Yes. Yeah. I, yep, I think you've hit that nail on the head there. Um, it's, it's the difference the, between creating a, in terms of fantasy, creating a world that's real and a world that's believable. You've got a man flying around in his underpants with heat ray vision. Yeah. So play up the believability, but don't try and make the it. The glasses are yeah. the problem, then. <laughs> don't get me started, dude. Okay, well, once again, I agree with everything everybody said. <laughs> okay, so number three, it's a nice, easy one. What is your favourite Superman story? And it can be from any medium. Oh, that's easy for me. There is only one Superman, st- Superman movie. I mean, I don't read the comics. Superman the movie? Not Superman 2? With Neil before Zod? No, no, I prefer the first one. Cool. Very cool. Um, and, and Superman 3 and 4 don't exist for me. Oh! I'm <laughs> from my mind! How can you not love his repair Great Wall of China vision? Uh, what about Superman Returns? Yeah, oh, the, uh, Superman Returns, I actually enjoyed that better than... than uh, I was going to call it Superman Begins Again. <laughs> <laughs> the Man of Steel! Um, and it, but, but only because um, Brandon Routh does a very good Christopher Reeve impression. Yeah. <laughs> I think that takes a little bit away from Brandon. Oh, no, 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 I, I don't mean it. I don't mean it in a derogatory sense. Oh, I mean, okay, he yeah. looks like Christopher Reeve, and he has that same sort of fumbling Clark Kent yeah. attitude. Fair enough. Cool. Okay, well, mine is more um, more recent. Um, in terms of big explosive Superman action, it's the um, the new, well, new Krypton story, which they did about five years ago. Um, but really, the big one, the other one, has become a modern classic in terms of Superman, which is... Action Comics issue 775 by Joe Kelly and Doug Mankey um, called What's So Funny About Truth, Justice in the American Way. And funnily enough, it actually answers a lot of the questions that we've got and actually does a better job of showing Superman of the big, your big complaint, Dave, about Superman, about Man of Steel, where, you know, the the death of Zod. Mm. Action uh, issue 775 is all about Superman meets um, a group called the Elite. Yeah, um, who are in authority? Who are inspired by the authority? Who are uh, um, and ask questions? Uh, a punch first, ask questions later. Um, 
direct, um, no nonsense, um, not not reactionary at all. Take act it, it take action to um, wipe crime off the face of the earth, and they believe that they're right. Superman, of course, believes that they're wrong, but he has difficulty because the world slowly side starts to side more with the elite's way of thinking because they are taking down criminals. Yeah, because it's because it's that age old argument of. Batman always putting the Joker back into Arkham. Mm -hmm. And it's like, he always escapes Mm. every single time and then goes off and kills more people. Just snap his neck. So, yeah, so wouldn't... I mean, the the logic would say you would have to remove Joker from the equation Mm. and that would you could only do that by killing him. um, And that argument is really good for people who don't understand Batman as a character at all. Mm. Yeah. Um, But then then all the deaths that are on Joker, when Joker escapes, all the deaths that occur are, are on Batman as much as they are Joker. But wouldn't you say they're more on the inability of Arkham to actually have good security? <laughs> that's yeah, a good but point. Batman didn't help him <laughs> escape. Yeah, yeah, that's right. All good points. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm pro or against that argument, but it, yeah. just goes, it goes with what it looks like. But, but the whole point is, um, it's part of the fact that the elite are seen to be doing, you know, the right thing. They're actually not doing the right thing. They're taking the law into their own hands. Um, they make, they're, they're making themselves judge during executioner, and they're putting people in harm's way. Yeah, um, I think that, that's, that's, that's. I mean, people are agreeing with them up until that point. Yeah, until they start putting. And them. then Superman ha- realizes he has to deal with them. Yeah, in a cool way. But the only way to, that. But the question is, does he? Act, is the only way to deal with them um, the easy option? Yeah. Or does he have? What does he have to do in order to actually overcome them? Yeah. And it gets back to you know what we were saying earlier about the death of Zod and Man of Steel. Mm. Here we actually see Superman do what we love about Superman and not take the easy option and still triumph. Yeah. It's magnificent. It's it's a really profound issue. It had a lot yeah. of effect at the time and still has effect today. Um, yeah, they even made like an animated movie out of it. Yep. Um, yeah. Superman versus the Elite. And Manchester yeah. Black and the Elite became sort of minor characters in the Superman um, mythos for the next four or five years. I'm sorry. Oh, really? I didn't know yeah. that. Well, they had their own miniseries, didn't they? Yeah, they had Justice miniseries. The Justice League, the Elite. Yeah. See, I, I, honestly, I find this question almost impossible to answer. Oh. There are so many Superman stories across so many mediums. Yeah, more than one. Um, I mean, I, I could roll off probably about 20 or 30 from oh, okay. you know, the, the Fleischer cartoons to episodes of The Adventures of Superman. Yeah, yeah I mean, there's me, so many to choose from. Give me your top three. Um, probably uh, For the Man Who Has Everything. Cool. The, um, the Alan Moore... Uh, Dave Gibbons annual I mm-hmm. thought was very good um, uh, Superman the movie yep uh, can't can't go wrong there Crystal's 100% right there mm-hmm. um, I usually am yeah you usually are except for when you're wrong <laughs> <laughs> and i got to say um, probably um, I think All-Star Superman mm-hmm. Grant Morrison manages to balance out all aspects of Superman beautifully and create quite an, uh, an emotional story Getting back to, to the answer to um, the earlier question, writing an emotional story for Superman as opposed to a uh, just a big battle-type story for Superman, I think Grant Morrison actually achieves that perfectly in All-Star Superman. So there's three of a possible 300, and I'm sure were you to ask me tomorrow, I'd probably give you three completely different answers. Well, I should have gone before you, because now it just sounds like I'm just copying yours. But, uh, I, I mean, I aim in total agreement. My All-Star Superman, I think, is... It's highly praised, and I think it deserves it. It's one of those you know rare occasions where mm. people keep praise on it, and it and it really, really does deserve it from start to finish. It is, mm. it is magnificent. Um, and I'm also a big fan of fan of uh, Red Sun, <laughs> um, 
and of course being an Alan Moore fanboy, you know, what the, the the man who has everything is also good. And what about uh, and, uh, whatever happened to the man? And whatever happened, yeah, whatever happened to the man tomorrow? Yeah, so um, all great stuff. But I do agree with all yours as well. Superman the movie, I think, is awesome. I mean, it's one of my favorite films of all time. So it's like my top three favorite films. There's also something rather interesting for me though is that Superman is such an iconic character that he's they've you know he's inspired so many um like you know homages and knockoffs and things and then some of their stories uh classic superman stories without being superman like um Alan Moore's run on supreme it's just like a love letter to superman yeah i'd actually i um, definitely focus on astro city yeah i was just going to say especially yeah. that first issue with samaritan samaritan yeah you know i mean these are great superman stories without being superman but just using that superman archetype yeah um yeah, so once again, like, if you expand it beyond that, or, you know, some of the classic uh, Captain Marvel stories. Yeah. You know, if you expand beyond just Superman himself to all the characters he's inspired, you know, there's another hundred or more just great Superman stories. So there's plenty to choose from, uh, because we want to share our love for Superman um, with you guys, and especially some of the better Superman stories. Uh, we've got a giveaway. Hooray. We're actually uh, going to give away... All-Star Superman, trade paperbacks, volumes one and two, and the trade, the, what's well, the one shot, one shot of Red Sun. So all you have to do to uh, win these uh, trades is tell us your favourite Superman story. We'll have the contact details at the end of the episode like we always do, but uh, any way you want to do it, tweet, email, whatever. Smoke signals, yeah. carrier pigeon. Morse <laughs> <Yeah>. code. <laughs> You're all crazy. Um, just, uh, just don't do the, the two cans tied with string things because um, uh, they, uh, they don't cans. really work. I, 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 don't, a, I don't mean to break a childhood bubble, but they're not, they're not, they're not real. Can we have an older slam? <laughs> yes, by all means. So pretty easy. Just tell us your your favourite Superman story and uh, we'll chuck the names in a hat, in our NCP hat, and uh, you can win yourself All-Star Superman and Red Sun. Uh, so entries close the uh, midnight the 20th. Eastern so, Standard Eastern Australian set time. Aussie time. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, get your entries in and um, uh, we'll reveal the, the winner on the next show. Okay, so coming up next, coming soon. In cinemas July 11th, we get Pacific Rim. Yay! Del Toro's Monsters vs. Giant Robots. We're cancelling the apocalypse! <laughs> <laughs> for the actiony action junkies out there. I know, it's pretty all exciting for all your Godzilla fans. And all the monstery, monstery, monstery fans out there. Although, from what I've been hey. hearing, there's apparently a bit more to it than just that. Yeah, well, like, apparently there's it's quite Del Toro, a... so there's well, going to be more so, to it. Because yeah. it looks awful. What? Hang on. <laughs> it, looks like, it looks like a movie where I will be bored to tears. Well, well I'll be excited. Yeah, I'll, I will we'll... get battle fatigue. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be excited on your behalf. Uh, and on that day, we also get, uh, unfortunately, The Heat. Uh, it's a, a buddy, a female buddy cop movie uh, with Sandra Bullock and that. And that that actually, look, look I, I'm not going to pay to go and see it, but if it was on telly and there was no, I wasn't doing anything else, I might actually sit through that. It kind of looks a bit like... Miss Congeniality-ish sort of... I'm a bit ashamed that I can't remember the name of the other lady that's in the show. Um, Um, Melissa... McCarthy. Melissa McCarthy. And she's quite talented comedian, so yeah. But uh, it's just not my sort of film. Um, Especially when you've got Pacific Rim the same day. Yeah. And then uh, the the following week after that, on July 18th, uh, you get The Conjuring. It looks pretty cool. Uh, This is the end. Uh, This is um, a self-aware comedy of... uh, uh, Seth Rogen and his friends trying to survive the apocalypse 
uh, a trailer doesn't look like much, but it's had good reviews. Because um, once again, Australia gets ripped up. We don't get it until weeks later. To have the Doors song in it. And they will most likely reference it at some point, I would assume. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and Only God Forgives. Nicholas Reffin's uh, follow-up to Drive, um, also starring... Uh, everybody, everybody's unashamed man crush, Ryan Gosling. No, Sorry. you're unashamed <laughs> man crush, Ryan Gosling. Well, I had to include some other people. I really like Drive, so I'm interested to see what this film's like. Yeah, it's 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 had some good buzz. So, mm. uh, and then and then Ryan was retired. Yep. <laughs> so what's that about? Maybe he wants to go off and be a cobbler like uh, <laughs> Daniel Day <laughs> Lewis was for a while. There, <laughs> he's going off on a high. Yeah, uh, so to the to the disgust That's of all. Funny considering all, my left foot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's great. <laughs> Pretending that wasn't said, let's move on. <laughs> Should be ashamed. I'm just wrong. <laughs> oh, no, dear. actually, that was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty funny, actually. Okay, so uh, thanks for sticking with this uh, epic Superman episode. Uh, just don't forget you can win All Star Superman and Red Sun trade paperbacks. All you have to do is just let us know your favorite Superman moment. And like I said, it can be from any medium. Even if you just, it's like you got a Superman lunch box as a kid and you're like, well, this is the greatest Superman moment ever. Let us know. That'd be awesome. You can let us know by email feedback at nerdculturepodcast.com or you can post on our Facebook wall at www.facebook.com forward slash nerdculturepodcast. Or you can tweet us at at nerdculturecast. Or you can leave a comment on any post on our website at www.nerdculturepodcast.com And don't forget you can also rate and review us on the iTunes. The iTunes. All hail the iTunes. And also don't forget our Amazon Affiliates program. So we, we have an Amazon widget on the website uh, that Luke just very dramatically read out. <laughs> very cool. Um, yeah, so if you, if you ever buy anything from Amazon, if you go through the widget, it doesn't cost you any extra... I don't know who you are. There's no loss of privacy or anything like that. But if you go through the widget, it, uh, it's got our little code on there. And then we get uh, 3%, I think it is at the moment, of uh, of your purchases. So it helps us out. And um, it costs no extra to you. And we would very, very appreciate it. Uh, I just got my, my last month statement. And uh, last month we made $2.50. All right. Which is awesome. It's like down the Macca's for a chicken burger. Very cool. Cut into four pieces. Hang on, I'm going to divide this by the four of us. Thank no, you I much. just ate the damn thing. <laughs> this aggression. I will do all not... the work. You just show up. This aggression will not stand. <laughs> There's no aggression. Just don't mention glasses. Yeah, so that was awesome. So thank you to every 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 single person who bought something. Thank you, you all rock. And uh, yeah, keep it up. Bye, 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 bye. Anyway, that's enough for me rambling. That's it from me and from the crew, Richard. I heartily endorse Superman wearing glasses to hide his public identity. Luke, I you know uh, wish to um, dedicate this to Arnold Sch- this this moment to Arnold Schwarzenegger. Up, up, ah! <laughs> and Crystal. Well, it was a good thing we didn't talk about the bird or the plane because it actually was Superman. Yeah, I agree. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. Network.